Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. We do welcome you as you connect in, whether you are part of the church family here and you are local, or whether perhaps you are watching from further afield, uh, from other countries and other nations. Um, It's just great to have you with us as we jump now into our second message of this Easter season, um, as we journey together um, uh, with Jesus in the run-up to his passion event, his death, and his resurrection, and his ascension for us. And we track with the way, today particularly, the way that Jesus overcame the greatest of sufferings and challenges, the most intense of sufferings, as we learn from him on how he was able to do that. And we're obviously keenly aware of the gravity of the situation that we find ourselves in as a nation uh, and in the world, um, uh, the, the challenge that we are facing. This is a time of great trial and a time of great pressure. But I have found, as I have meditated on the manner in which Jesus as we remember this now at Easter, meditating on the manner that Jesus overcame the greatest of his trials, I found that this has given me incredible hope and strength to be able to persevere and to walk forwards and to pray and to encourage in this time. And in many ways, I think for Jesus, the battle is fought and won significantly in the garden. That's why we've got uh, the painting up here in the garden of Gethsemane. This is the place where this battle is significantly won for Jesus. And that garden space for him, this was a place for Jesus of reconnection, a place of surrender, but also a place of peace, restoration in relationship with his father, a place where he was able to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in his humanity. And it's actually a place that is accessible to all of us still now by the Holy Spirit. If we can learn to surrender to God in the midst of our distress in the way that Jesus does. It has the power, these garden moments with God by the Spirit has the power to transform not only our lives, but the whole course of life around us as we come out of them, living with fresh power and strength and a knowledge of God's will and purpose um, as we walk out of these places of encounter with God. And so I want to pray for us now as we come into this moment that this would not be a time of, of perhaps just watching and listening, but a time of truly engaging with God that you would and we would together sense and feel the presence of Jesus himself speaking to us, ministering to us, allowing his presence and the power and grace of his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts and to fill our bodies and to fill our spirits and our minds. And so perhaps again, you want to open your hands to the Lord, close your eyes, 
or just bring your body into a, a position to receive. Just engage in some way as you are watching uh, the stream or watching the video. And so, Lord, I pray now, just as we come to this amazing section of Scripture, Lord, this uh, profound insight into this intimate moment, Jesus, that you have with the Father before your greatest time of trial and testing. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that by the Holy Spirit, you would transform us, that you would fill us, that you would strengthen us, that you would pour your grace out into our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we are in Mark 14. For those of you who are following along at home in your own Bibles, or if you've got them, or if you've been reading as we've been encouraging via social media through Mark chapter 14, we've just come through Jesus sharing the last supper with his disciples. And he now comes to the point where he is aware the hour or the moment of testing and trial is right upon him. And so he now leaves that place where they've, he shared this last meal with the disciples and he comes to the garden to pray and connect with his father. We pick it up, Mark chapter 14 and verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. And just to pause here for a moment, I think the language in this passage is so incredible. It's so emotionally rich. We see Jesus becomes deeply distressed and troubled. You know, I think it's important for us to remember that God is profoundly and perfectly emotional. And Jesus expresses emotions perfectly in every situation he finds himself in, whether that's to feel compassion where it's needed in ministry or sorrow as he weeps at Lazarus's death. Now we see he experiences distress and sorrow as he comes to the precipice of this cataclysmic event. As Jesus now, the Son of God, the Word of God, is going to be separated for the first time in all eternity, in both directions, from God the Father. As he takes on to him the sin of the world and becomes for us that atoning sacrifice that we might have relationship with God. And the emotional trauma of that which is before him is so great that it literally brings him to a place of sorrow that is at the very brink of his life, to the brink of death. You know, I, I find it so helpful to know that the Bible is so emotionally rich that we can find a place in the scriptures to know how to process our pain but also to celebrate the fullness of our joy, the complete 
breadth of human emotion is outlined for us within the Bible. As God teaches us to be human, as we learn to be like God. And that's actually what Jesus is doing for us significantly in this passage. What Jesus does is exactly what we have been built to do, to bring our hearts into contact with God's heart to deal with our struggle through experiencing spiritual connection with God. Okay, let's carry on. Verse 35, going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, Daddy, dear Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup, this cup of suffering from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. In verse 37, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you still asleep? Couldn't you watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Something just to say here because it's easy to miss. Jesus does not bring the disciples with him to help him. He never asks them to pray for him, but to pray as he has been praying as he has been modeling for them. William Lane in his commentary on this passage says this, that Jesus did not ask the main body of disciples to pray, but to remain while he prayed. He did not instruct the three to watch and pray for him, but for themselves. You see, and the reason for that is he knows they need this garden moment with God just as much as he does, for them to be able to face the trial and the challenge that is before them. And it's actually because Peter misses the garden moment for what it is, what God, for what Jesus has tried to set it up to be for them, uh, because he misses that, that he later fails the test that is going to confront him, unlike Jesus, who is victorious over it. Verse 39, he goes on. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. Not sure how many of you have, have had those moments where you think, I'm going to have a great time of prayer this evening. You're sort of sitting up in your bed, and before you know it, you're fast asleep. Okay? If that's happened to you, it's, you're not the first person to have that struggle. The disciples struggled in the same way. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I think it's interesting that in the midst of Jesus' greatest of trials, at the, this point where he is sorrowful to the point of death, that he still returns three times 
to help his disciples be connecting with God as he knows they need to. And I don't think much has changed. I believe that Jesus is still connecting with us, calling out to us, seeking to help us to meet with God our Father through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So let me press into a couple of things from this passage that I think are really helpful for us, strengthening for us, inspirational for us, as we find ourselves in the midst of a challenging moment. Uh, And I do pray that God would draw you near to him um, as we look at these together. The first is this, that Jesus is our example in the garden. Um, And he models the way to navigate challenge and and, uh, struggle um, as we learn from him how to be able to do that. And I think it's important to recognize Jesus' life can be looked at in two different ways. And we actually need to look at Jesus' life in both of these ways and hold them together. The first is we look at Jesus' life and look at what he did in his life, because it's what he has done that has made possible for us the opportunity to know God and have relationship with him. And so Jesus' life, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, and Jesus' ascension, these are the acts and the works and the deeds that have made life with God possible. And so we should study them to learn and to look and to celebrate what Jesus has done, Uh, to look at him and to celebrate his love and his power and his compassion and his wisdom. It's important for us to look at the things that Jesus has done. They become opportunities for us to worship him and to worship God. But they're not the only way that we look at Jesus' life and ministry. We're also called to look at Jesus' life and ministry as an example for us in what living truly and perfectly in the power of the Holy Spirit can be like and should be like. To be a disciple is to become like your teacher, not just to know the things that they know, but to live the way that they have lived. And the way that Jesus approaches trial and challenge is not just the way that Jesus approaches trial and challenge. It is the way to approach trial and challenge. And so Jesus' time in the garden is actually an invitation to us by demonstration into the love of the Father in the midst of our pain and fear and stress. Now, I know that we obviously can't get to Gethsemane right now and to the olive groves that were there to have a a sort of moment in the outdoors. Uh, But Jesus uh, doesn't call us just to be in garden places. And I know that being outside is, is helpful, 
But many of us right now don't have access to a garden. We don't have the opportunity to be in outside spaces that do speak of the glory of God through creation. And, and I feel that that is very helpful. And at other times in the year and at other times in our lives, I, I encourage you to spend time in creation as a means and an opportunity to be able to worship God and connect with him. I think there's a reason that Jesus does that. But Jesus says to us what's really important is that we get alone with God. He says, go into your cupboard. Uh, you know, that might be uh, get into a private place as best you can. Maybe that's in your shower or go and sit in your car or in the garage or sort of 20 minutes in your bedroom to be alone or those precious five minutes in the kitchen over a cup of tea before the rest of the house is awake. The garden represents a place where you can get away and be alone and have time and space to be vulnerable before God, vulnerable enough that you can place your heart against God's heart and say, Father, I trust you. This is hard. This is hard right now. And I want it to be different. I want this to pass. I will it to change. But not my will. Help me to walk according to your will. Help me to feel and sense your ways. Let your will and your purpose strengthen me as it did Jesus, that I can walk by faith and conviction and live like Jesus did in the midst of his trial. Help me to follow his example that he has set for me. And so I believe Jesus is an example for us in this. The second thing, we see that Jesus is transformed in the garden place. He goes from, from being overwhelmed and despairing to coming out resolute and prepared. And as I said, I think Jesus models for us the power of being vulnerable and yielded to God. Vulnerability and openness are the building blocks to any relationship, and they are the building blocks to our relationship with God. And the more we are able to be open and vulnerable with God, which is a way of expressing to God our trust and our faith in his character and in his wisdom and in his power, the more we're able to do that, the deeper he can press into us his love and peace and power, because we've now opened the door to him so that our connection with God becomes the vehicle by which our lives can be transformed. And I hope that that is inviting to you. It is an invitation to have our lives transformed, that we might live like Jesus lived as we have these moments to get away and experience connection with him. Third thing that I think we learn from this encounter that Jesus has is we get to learn from the victory that Jesus has in the garden. And what Jesus prays and models for us here is crucial. He begins with these words, Abba, Father. It literally means 
I, I guess a way that you would put it into English today for us would be daddy or dad or dear father. Those are heart-connecting words, heart-connecting language. It reveals Jesus' security with his father. It expresses love and trust and familiarity. And then he prays out of this place of connection, the prayer that wins the war. It's the prayer that undoes the damage caused by Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the first garden. It's the prayer that makes possible eternal life in the new eternal garden with God for all of us who have placed our hope and trust in Jesus. You see, when Eve said, not God's will, but my will be done, and believed the lie that God was harsh, that God was withholding something good, that God was in some way unwise and selfish. And she believes the lie of the enemy, that actually the enemy knows best, and that Eve could be wise, that Eve could be on a par with God, that she could have the same wisdom as God. And she decides in that moment with Adam, who was with her, to elevate themselves above God and do what they want, not what God has commanded. And life and humanity is broken in that first garden. But Jesus, in heart connection with his Father, is able to say, I yield to you, Father. And I yield to your way. Take this from me. That's Jesus' self-disclosure. But not what I will, but what you will. I trust you. I trust your wisdom. And that declaration of faith and trust becomes the doorway by which the Spirit can flow over and in Jesus to strengthen him for what is ahead and can flow because of him into us by the Spirit to strengthen us that we can be now victorious in the midst of the challenge and struggles that we face. So that out of these garden moments with God, we can be empowered and strengthened to fight now with God's battle plan, not with ours, in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. I think that this must have been an extended time of prayer for Jesus. And I think that shows that the greater the pressure, the more we need these garden moments with God, these spiritual times of being alone with him to be able to debrief and receive from him. But there's something about this, this story. There's a phrase in this account that has just been ringing in my heart, and I'm hoping it's going to ring in yours too. And it's this, that going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed. He went just a little further to get alone in a space with God where he could be vulnerable and connect with his father. And I, I just sense that there's something in that for us, that we are being called to go just a little further, to position ourselves in a way that we can meet with God, to go just a little further, to, to make it possible, to position ourselves to receive from him. 
It's the thing that Peter didn't do. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Jesus called Peter to pray because Jesus knew what was ahead of him. Peter didn't know it yet. Peter didn't know that before him was going to be a test that in his own strength and capacity, he did not have the resources to be victorious in. I wonder how many battles we have lost because when Jesus invited us to go just a little further and pray, we didn't answer. I can think of some that I think might have gone very differently if I'd listened to the Lord and gone just a little further in connecting with him. Now, I know connecting with God can seem quite challenging and difficult and strange, particularly as we begin to do that for the first time. And I'm often asked the question, Jason, you, you keep saying that we're created for this. We're created to have life and connection with God. We're created to know him and speak to him and, and hear from him. But I find that so challenging. How, how is this possible if we're created for this, that it's so hard for us to do it? But I want to say, I think it's a little bit like walking, connecting with God. We're created to walk and run and jump and dance. Perhaps I sometimes wonder if I'm created to dance, but definitely all of the other things. And if you're not injured in some way, then you probably will be able to do those things for the majority of your life. But you weren't able to do them as a baby when you were born. You had to still grow and become strong. You had to learn. You had to persevere. There were times you would have fallen down. You have to crawl before you can walk, before you can run. It's not age that equips us for relationship with God. You can have been a Christian for years, but have spent very little time in the garden with your heavenly father. And that becomes challenging for us. And we go through seasons probably where that's the case for us. And in those times, what can happen is our, our head becomes full of knowledge. We know more about God, but we lose the skill or we don't develop the skill at feeling with God and feeling God. And so it's time in the garden that equips us for greater and richer connection. And the beautiful thing is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if in your past you've not spent much time alone with God. Because God is calling you today to come just a little further. That's enough. That's enough for the transformation to begin just a little further is enough to give God the space to pour afresh his spirit and his life and his hope into you. And the more you do, the easier it becomes, the wider we can be open to God, the fuller he can pour his love and life into us. And so let me pray for us and want to pray for us that we would be able in the weeks ahead to have these moments, whether that's 
five minutes in the kitchen before the rest of the house is awake, whether that's in your bath or your shower or in the garage or sitting in the car with the music and the worship music turned up loud to be able to have an opportunity to sing. But however it is that you have a moment to go just a bit further, to connect with God, that that would be enough for you to know his presence in the midst of a season of great trial and challenge for us as a church, as a nation, and in the world. Let me pray for us. Father, I do thank you that it's not the garden physically that makes the difference, but it's the person who walks in the garden to come to connect with us, our heavenly Father, who is there to meet us, to connect with us and engage with us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name for everyone that's listened to this, everyone that's been engaging with us online, both locally and across the world. Lord, I pray, pour out your Holy Spirit in this time. May these moments of connection be so rich and deep and life-giving as we bring to you our pain and our stress and our struggle and we receive from you your life and your peace and your hope that we might walk in this time strengthened by God, resolute, with the purpose of God before us, prepared for the season that's ahead. In Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. Amen. Well, it has been wonderful to connect with you, and we do trust that this has been a moment of life for you as you're able to connect with God. And uh, we'd love for you to continue to connect with us online. You can find links on how to do that um, in the description below. Um, uh, you can go along to our website and connect into that. That would be great if you're able to. Thank you for those of you who are supporting us financially online. That's been amazing to see. And we just pray God's blessing over you as you continue to do that. If you'd like to do that as a part of your Sunday worship and giving, um, then you're able to do that. There are links again in the description below to be able to do that via PayPal. And we pray that you would be blessed as the Lord leads you in how to do that. That's, that's all that we encourage you to do. And so uh, may you have great moments ahead. Don't forget to send through the pictures. It's been great to see um, the WhatsApps coming in and the emails coming in, even live of people sharing communion together, taking communion, watching the live stream, and we'll get you the pictures of those so that um, other people can see and be encouraged. It's just lovely to see your faces. Uh, okay, well, until Friday, uh, good Friday, as we're able to meet together again, we pray that the Lord bless you and God be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.